Are these two biotech stocks too risky to buy? This is Industry Focus. Hi Fools, healthcare analyst Michael Douglas here, and I'm on the phone with our long time, I guess at this point, uh, Industry Focus healthcare contributor Todd Campbell from New Hampshire. Todd, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well, Michael. It's going well. How about with you? Oh, pretty pretty well. You know, it's um, it's been a good week thus far, a busy week, and uh, I'm sure everybody else feels that way too as you start gearing up for spring you know there's just it always it seems kind of a lot going on and uh, certainly for those of us watching biotech and healthcare <laughs> it has been a busy few weeks as we get through the back end of earnings season and to uh, a fair amount of um, of new data being reported um, so so today what we wanted to talk about a little bit for folks is just a little bit about sort of looking at biotech stocks with with uh, an interesting story and an interesting, and with a lot of people who are really behind them, and then kind of parsing through like how we think about, I think, deciding whether something's a little bit too risky or not too risky for us. And of course, Todd, you know, you and I come at this from from different places, we're different ages, we're at different points in our investing careers. Um, but I, I would actually be shocked if we didn't come into agreement on these stocks because I think in both cases there are risk factors that at least for me make them very much wait and see but i guess you know let me let me not uh let me not give too much away um which you want to talk about first mankind or exogen let's talk about mankind first i mean both of them are roller coaster stocks yeah. so i suppose <laughs> yeah, we could I mean, take either one ahead but um uh, mankind is as good as any to begin and yeah. you, you made a great point i i think one of the things we can do as you know motley fools um is to help you know, investors understand that great opportunity uh, in promise doesn't necessarily uh, result in great opportunity in delivering on profit. Right. And, you know, that's, that's something that we're seeing with mankind. Um, it's got what is, you know, could arguably be a great uh, a drug. Um, Afreza mm -hmm. is a inhaled insulin. Um, it's that's a very very different delivery system um, than has been used for decades. I mean, previously, uh, when diabetics get to a point that they require um, insulin, it's taken via injection. Um, that can be an honor, onerous um, uh, situation for many people. I mean, if you have needle phobia, uh, you know the prospect of having to inject yourself multiple times a day probably is not something that that you love. Um, so the concept for Afreza was great. You know, let's develop something that you can just breathe in like an asthma inhaler, if you will, mm -hmm. um, and deliver the insulin that way. Um, while that has been, you know, is a great idea, it's been <laughs> very difficult to get that product to market. Um, and so far, you know, we, it just launched commercially um, uh, this quarter. So we don't know what the commercial uh, success or, or non-successes yet for the drug. Right. But, you know, there has been some, you know, rumors and innuendos suggesting that maybe, you know, that the uptake so far isn't fantastic. Time will tell on that. But, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to kind of talk to people and say, hey, you know, you can have a big indication like diabetes, you know, with, with 29 million Americans that are diagnosed and 2 million more Americans getting diagnosed every year. Mm -hmm. You can create a drug that, you know, fits an unmet need, if you will, as far as a new delivery system. 
Um, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that, it, that the stock is a good investment. Yeah, well, and, and one of the interesting things, I, I, I think, is just how, um, how highly valued mankind stock became at one point. I mean, um, you know, the market cap at one point was about double what it is today. And when, when, when you get to the, the sort of valuation where you're, you, it's really stretched, you know, uh, my rule of thumb is, you know, kind of beyond like seven to 10 X sales. Although I violated that for some, for some companies I'm really personally excited about. Um, you know, it, it kind of does start making you be like, oh gosh, you know, how, it's priced for perfection, and sometimes you're going to get perfection. But when you're thinking about risk-adjusted uh, returns, um, you know, for these sort of riskier stocks, you know, stocks like Mankind that really kind of have most most everything, kind of riding on one drug, um, you know, you really have to have a really attractive uh, risk-reward profile, I think, for that to for that to work out in your favor. Yeah, I mean, you really need a lot of things to go right for mankind from here. Yeah. And unfortunately for shareholders, that hasn't been what's been happening for the company over the last five, ten years. Right. Um, you know, Afresa basically, it, it was rejected uh, by the, the FDA the first time around. Uh, they required additional trials because uh, mankind had changed the inhaler device. So they said, okay, well, we need to bridge that data, so you need to run a new trial. That cost them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. As a result, they ended up with a lot of debt on their balance sheet. You know, one of the things I like to look at, and this is something that Motley Fools can, can also look at on, on stocks that are interesting to them, is the current ratio. And the current ratio basically shows you how liquid the company is, how able it is to make uh, good on its financial obligations if short-term creditors come knocking. And, you know, typically if you're below one, one or below, that, that's scary. And, you know, with mankind, you're at like a 0 0.5, 0 0.6. Um, it's got $200 million on its, on its uh, in liabilities. Um, and that's after you take into consideration the fact that because of some accounting nonsense, you've got to include some of the money that was given from Santa Fe to mankind to uh -huh. license the drug, et cetera, right. et cetera. You know, which is also important. I mean, a lot of bulls will point out and say, hey, you know, mankind lined up Santa Fe. Santa Fe's, you know, got Lantus, the one of the most uh, biggest selling diabetes drugs out there. Mm -hmm. Who's to say that it, that this Afresa isn't uh, a top selling drug? But well, the reality is that you know you still have so many question marks with the balance sheet, with not knowing what the uptake really is for this drug. That it just poses too much risk for the average investor. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's it's. Mankind, and we were talking about this a little bit before we went on air, but uh, you know, mankind feels a little bit kind of like it's in it's in the show me phase, you know. And and for me, I get uh, me personally. Now, you know, this isn't necessarily true for everybody. Some some people really, I think, thrive on the not knowing which way something's going to go and and saying, well, you know, it's probably cheaply more cheaply valued because of that. Now's the time to strike. For me, I am very willing to give up. You know, uh, one of let's say three potential doubles on a stock or something like that while I'm waiting to see if the business model actually works, while I'm waiting to see if the drug's actually going to pan out. Um, you know, I think when, when a, a company has something really big and life-changing occurring that just really implicates the entire business model, for me, I tend to want to wait until after I know that that's working and pay more of a premium because I know that that's working, because then I am a lot more confident that I'm not going to lose everything. But perhaps, you know, to some extent, that's my investment style. I, I don't have, I think, as thick of a skin as a lot of people in biotech do. Then again, maybe that's a good thing. 
Well, yeah, and you know, you have to think of the fact. I mean, if mankind had proven in the past that it, that you know, if it had gotten a Fresa through the FDA without without a hiccup, right. if its balance sheet was good, um, if we had gotten initial reads that suggested that prescription volume was there, but none of those things have happened. So you really don't have, you know, the stool is wobbly, and until that is sturdy, I think you have to just, like you said, sit and wait and see. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and one thing I always say when folks are like, yeah, but I mean, uh, look at the opportunity. I mean, this drug, you know, uh, this is not mankind's case, but, you know, uh, uh, this drug in phase one could be life changing. I'm like, yeah, but if it's going to end up being an industry shaker, uh, a real true disruptor, there's plenty of time for that to happen. There's going to be a lot of money to be made on the way. And it's probably worth giving up that, you know, sort of like maybe like first potential double or, or first few potential doubles even uh, to make sure that that actually is sustainable and is actually going to work and that the data actually bear out this wonderful story that we really hope does pan out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, cool. So, so mankind... Um, I think probably a little too risky for, uh, for for both of our tastes right now. Let's talk about Orexogen a little bit. Uh, yeah, this different, but kind of related, right? Yeah, they're kind of related. I mean, you know, basically, this company has a drug called Contrave that is approved to uh, help reduce weight in people who are clinically obese. Mm-hmm. And of course, obesity is, you know, a major cause of diabetes. So in that way, they are. It's also a major cause of heart disease. Right. Um, you know, this is an, a very important issue, and as a result. You know, ahead of the launch of this drug and ahead of the launch of, of some other weight loss drugs that were approved in 2012 by its competitors, you know, a lot of people thought this was going to be a billion-dollar blockbuster opportunity for these companies, that, that you know, doctors would be lining up to prescribe these drugs to uh, patients that, that were either overweight or obese. And, and there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, the CDC says that there are 34.9% of Americans uh, are clinically obese. That's, a, that's an unbelievable number. Yeah, it's um, huge. Yeah, and, and the CDC also estimates that our spending on obesity uh, is about $147 billion a year. So when you include all of the, the, the related complications that can come from it. Right. So I mean, this is a major issue that needs to be addressed. And Contrave is a drug that can help people lose weight. Um, in trials, patients lost about uh, a little bit better than 4%, a little bit less than 5% on average uh, in the trial. Uh, when combined with exercise and diet changes and the like. Sure. You know, that, that's great, but you know what? It's not that big of a difference between, you know, that and Arena's drug or Vivas's drug yeah. or Novo Nordis drug. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all kind of similar. And um, that's why what happened last week with the stock was really so, I guess, intriguing, moved the stock so much. I mean, last week what happened was, the company announced in an SEC filing that it had been awarded a patent on Contrave that extended its protection until 2034, and that that patent was based on interim data, 25% completion of the of the data. So I mean, there's there's a lot of room for error here. That said, that you know, people who were taking Contrave had fewer strokes and heart attacks than people who were taking placebo. Now, that could potentially be a huge differentiator. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could, it could theoretically mean that doctors begin to, to use this drug um, much more broadly. Right. Well, and, However, and, 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 and before, before even that, like why that is such a huge opportunity is because, you know, we really haven't seen the uptake in these uh, anti-obesity drugs. We really just haven't seen it at all. Um, and, and, and there have been a lot of theories, perhaps uh, it's because of worries about uh, Fen Fen, which used to be uh, an obesity fighter um, that just had 
awful side effects. Uh, and, you know, doctors are just gun shy ever since then. Um, or perhaps uh, because they're waiting to see cardiovascular outcomes. Or perhaps it's because doctors don't want to do a pill for the. You know, there have been a lot of different theories about it. I just wanted to kind of, kind of, draw that part in. Yeah, there's a lot of worries out there, and I don't, yeah. I don't think that it's wrong for these worries to exist because, I mean, you are talking about uh, uh, obesity, and obesity and heart disease do go hand in hand. You don't want to take additional risk and expose these patients to, you know, the risk of cardiovascular events, and that's why right. this, this finding was so, so, I guess, surprising because, you know, it, the, the study had been designed to, say, to show that it didn't increase and now all of a sudden we're discovering that not only did it not increase, but maybe it reduced it. But again, huge grain of salt with this because you're, the, it's based on the 25% completion of the interim analysis so I, uh, of, the, of the data from this trial. Okay, so anything could happen at the 50% completion, at the 100% completion. We don't know. Matter of fact, the FDA was apparently not happy with this data getting released because they don't they view it as being far too premature for this information to be out there in the public domain. They're afraid that people are going to see this and think, "Ooh, I can use this to to reduce my risk of stroke." when that really has not been proven yet. Yeah. Well, and and, and even more than that, one of their concerns um uh, appears to be that that this might actually influence the trial itself. Um that essentially that people who um as was reported by the Wall Street Journal, that that that, that people who uh, are in the trial might be like, oh, well, since I'm not seeing, uh, you know, if uh, might suspect that they're on placebo instead and discontinue from the trial, um, and that of course would have big negative effects on the trial actually being able to report good data. Uh, obviously, if you lose part of your patient population, that's really not a good thing. Um, and so there's kind of a lot of concerns, and the FDA is definitely. Um, definitely made very clear that they are very displeased. And let's face it, there's a lot that they they could do. I mean, this could be it, it may be that what they do is just a strongly worded letter. It could be fines. So they could even pull Contrave, uh, revoke its marketing application. Um, yeah, I mean, although, although a, people seem to think that that's yeah. maybe less likely than some of the yeah. others. But it's it's I, of course I think impossible. The pull to predict. they'd have to show that there's some some risk to the patients, and I don't think we've really necessarily seen that. I mean, they, obviously there, there's. There should be some repercussion. I don't know if it's going to be a fine. I don't know if it's going to be a letter. They had previously, the FDA had previously also said to the company that, hey, you know, you're going to need to do another trial anyways because we're not really convinced that that the data isn't going to be some somewhat um, skewed by public releases that you've done in the past, right. meaning right around their approval last September. So, so they're going to have to do another trial anyways, and who knows if this data holds up between you know now and then. Um, and for that reason, despite the fact that maybe you could argue, well, this is a this is a drug that's on the market. It, you know, it did six and a half million in sales during its first ten weeks on the market. I mean, that's still only a thirty million a year drug. You know, I mean, this is small. It's got a slightly better balance sheet than mankind. But you know what? Again, way too many risks for the average investor to to go out and and chase this stock. Right, because you know, even, even <laughs> unlike mankind, where we where we are. <sighs> You know, we're sifting through tea leaves and you know stuff like that, and don't really have a lot of good hard data. You know, with Rexogen, you already got a quarter on market, and it wasn't a very good quarter. (laughs) So, um, and and of course now this, which you know, there's concerns about. You know, that data maybe really shouldn't have um, gotten to people who weren't directly involved with the data committee. you know, so there's lots of questions there, and also the fact that let's face it, uh, predicting predicting what a regulatory authority will do 
um, is not as easy as some would have us believe. And so, uh, you know, what what it's kind of a big question mark right now. What will end up happening? Absolutely, and, and you can just imagine, you know, the 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 legal beagles at different um, uh, firms are are probably looking at this company and saying, hmm, I think maybe we could go after them for for this uh, if shares head lower and people lose money. So, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of question marks here. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that's the thing. I mean, for me, again, there are a lot of small uh, biotechs that have a lot of, uh, a lot of promise. Um, and, and even, I think, on a risk-adjusted, in a risk-adjusted fashion, have a lot of uh, promise. Um, you know, I've talked before about uh, Portola, which I think is, is a really, really interesting stock. Um, there's, a number of other relatively, let's say, small cap biotechs that that are interesting, but these two, uh, uh, they've been in sort of headline, really high interest for biotech investors for a while. But I, I think that um, I think that for me, they're they're both stayaways as well. Um, Todd, as always, thanks for your thanks for your time and your insight. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, um, folks. Drop us an email at hc at fool.com. That's hc for healthcare at fool.com, and uh, let us know what you think. Shoot us a question if you have one in mind, and uh, we'll be happy to answer it on air and um, and and share our take. If there's a, a biotech or a healthcare stock or insurance company, even a hospital um, that you are curious about and want to learn a little bit more about, we're always here to, to help. And that's really kind of the, the core part of the Motley, Fool, uh, Motley Fool's goal. We are here to educate, amuse, and enrich. Um, also want to note, folks, uh, as, as we always do try to note, uh, folks who are on the show and, of course, the Motley Fool itself may have um, may have positions in stocks mentioned. I don't, I don't uh, I don't in any that we mentioned today. I think uh, Todd owns Portola, um, and of course the Motley Fool may as well. So you know, never make an investment decision just based on what you hear someplace. Always do your own due diligence. Thanks much, all. Uh, check back to thefool.com for all of your investing needs, and full on. <laughs> <laughs>